0: Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast, and I am gonna be recording not on the last day of Black History Month, but kind of getting close to, it, because we're almost at the end of February. Within like less than two more days, it'd be in February because we have a leap year, guys. So I thought it'd be only fitting, and especially since my school was showing the Harry Tubman movie, I thought I would do a little Harry Tubman discussion for Black History Month. A perfect way to end the the Black History Month and the celebration of our culture. Now let's begin who was Harriet tubman born to slavery in maryland harry tubman escaped to freedom in the north in 1849 to become the most famous conductor on the underground railroad Tubman risked her life to leave hundreds of family members and other slaves from the plantation system to freedom on this elaborate civic network of safe houses. A leading abolitionist before the American Civil War, Tubman also helped the Union Army during the war, working as a spy among other roles. After the Civil War ended, Tubman dedicated her life to helping impoverished former slaves and the elderly. In honor of her life and by the popular demand in 2016, the U.S. Treasury Department announced that... Tetman will be placed Andrew Jackson on the center of $20 bill, but we have not seen that yet. Early and family Early Life and Family. Tubman date of birth is still unknown, although it's probably occurred between 1820 and 1825. She was one of nine children born between 1808 and 1832 to enslaved parents in Donchester County, Maryland. Her mother, Harriet Ritt Green, was owned by Mary Patterson Bostess, and her father, Ben Ross, who was owned by Anthony Thomas. Thomas and Boyce's eventually marry. Originally named Arameti Harriet Ross Tubman was nicknamed Minty by her parents. Armada changed her name to Harriet around the time of her mu- of her marriage, probably to honor her mother. Tubman's early life was full of hardship. Mary Bowman's son Edward sold three of Tubman's sisters to a distant plantation, severing the family. When a trader from Georgia approached Boston about buying Ritz's younger son, Moses, Ritz successfully resisted, resisted the further fraction of her family, sending a powerful example for her young daughter. Physical violence was also part of her, of her daily life for Tubman and her family. The violence she suffered early in life caused permanently physical, physical injury. Tubman later recounted a day when she was lashed five times before breast. She carried the scars for the rest of her life. The most severe injury occurred when Tubman was an adolescent, sent to dry goods stores for supplies. She encountered a slave who had left the field without permission. The man overseer demanded that Tubman help restrain the runaway. When Tubman refused, or she threw a two-pound weight that struck her in the head. Tubman endured seizures, severe headaches, and narcolepsy episodes for the rest of her life. She also experienced intense dream states, where she classified a, as a religious experience. Another thing that lied between freedom and slavery was hazy for Tubman and her family. Tubman's father, Ben, was freed from slavery at the age of 45 as stipulated in the will of a previous owner. Nonetheless, Ben had few options but to continue to work as a timber estimator and foreman for his former owner. Although similar many missions apply to Rita and her children, the individuals who own the family choose not to free them. Despite his free status, Ben had little power to challenge their decision, sadly. In 1844, Harriet married a free black man named John Tutman. At the time, around half of the African-American people on the East Shore of Maryland was free. It was not unusual for families to include both free and enslaved people. Little is known about John or his marriage to Harriet, including whether and how long they, they lived together. Any the children they might have would have been considered enslaved, since the mother's status dictates that of any offspring. John declined to make the voyage on the underground railroad with Harriet, preferring to stay in Maryland with a new wife. In 1869, Tarrant married a Civil War veteran named Nelson Davis. In 1874, the couple adopted a baby girl named Greta, or Gretti. Between 1850 and 1860, Tubman made 19 trips from the South to the North following the network known as the Underground Railroad. She guided more than 300 people, including her parents, several siblings from slavery to freedom, earning, earning the nickname Moses from her leadership, which I thought was really impressive on its own. Um... Tubman first encountered the Underground Railroad when she used it to escape slavery herself in 1849. Following a bout of illness and the death of her owner, Tubman decided to escape slavery in Maryland for Philadelphia. She feared that her family would be further severed and was concerned for her own fate as she sickly slave of low-income Bayou. Two of her brothers, Ben and Harriet, come her on September 17, 1849. However, after a notice was published in the Cambridge Democrat Offering, a 300 reward for the return of, of Harriet, Henry, and Ben had second thoughts and returned to the plantation. Tubman had no plans to remain in Bonnet. Seeing her brothers safely home, she soon set off alone for Pennsylvania. Making use of the Underground Railroad, Tubman traveled nearly 90 miles to Philadelphia. She crossed the freezing of Philadelphia with a feeling of relief and awe, and recalled later, When I found that I had crossed that line, I looked at my hand to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields. Like, over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. Rather than remain in the safety of the North, Tubman made it her mission to rescue her family and others living in the slavery via the Underground Railroad. In December 1850, Tubman received a warning that her niece Keisha, was going to be sold along with her two young children. Keisha's husband, a free black man named John Boley, made the winning bid for his wife at auction in Baltimore. Tubman helped the entire family make the journey to Philadelphia. This was the first of many trips by Tubman. The dynamics of escaping slavery changed in 1850 with the passage of the Fugitive Slave Law. This law stated that escaped slaves could be captured in the North and returned to slavery, leading to the abduction of, of former slaves and free blacks living in free states. Law enforcement officials in the North were compelled to aid the capture of slaves regardless of the personal principles. In response to the law, Tubman rerouted the underground railroad to Canada, which prohibited slavery categorically. In December 1851, Tubman got in a group of 11 fugitive northwards. There is evidence that the party stopped at the home of uh, uh, Abolinist, Abolinist, whatever, ab- Abolish, I, you know the word I'm trying to say, guys, and former slave Frederick Douglass. In 1858, Tubman was introduced to Abolness at a Bolognese, John Brown, who advocated the use of violence to distribute and destroy the intuition of slavery, Tubman charged Brown's goal at the least tolerable to his methods. Tubman claimed that he had a prophetic vision of Brown before they met. When Brown began recruiting support for an attack on the slaveholders at Harper's Ferry, he turned to General Tubman for help. After Brown's subordinate execution, Tubman praised him as a martyr. Tubman remained active during the Civil War Working for the Union Army as a cook and a nurse, Tubman Cook became an armed scout and a spy, the first woman to lead an armed expedition in the war, and she guided the Combe River Raid, which liberated more than 700 slaves in South Carolina, which I thought was a wonderful fret, uh, faith and, fret and journey in her life. In early 1859, Senator William H. Stewart sold Terry Tubman, a small piece of land on the outskirts of Auburn, New York. The land in Auburn became a haven for Tubman's family and friends. Tubman spent the years following the war on this, on this property, tendered her family, others who had taken up res- residency there. Despite Tubman's fame and reputation, she was never financially secure. Tubman's friends, supporters were able to raise some funds to support her. One of her Myra, Sarah H. Raffer, wrote a biophantial scenes in the lives of Harry Tubman with the proceeds of going to Tubman and her family. Tubman continued to f- give freely, in spite of her academic love, in 1903, she adopted a parcel on her land to the African Methodist Episcopal Church in Auburn, the Harry Tubman Home for the Age, opened on this site in 1908. Tubman died of pneumonia on March 10, 1913, surrounded by friends and family at around the age of 93. As Tubman aged, the head injury sustained early in life became more painful and Disruptive. She underwent brain surgery at Boston Massachusetts General Hospital to alleviate the pain and budging she experienced regularly. Tubman was eventually made into the resting home named in her honor and she was buried with military honor at Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn. Like, there was a legacy that she truly left behind. While I know as a well-respected while she was alive, Tubman became an American icon in the years after her death. A survey at the end of the 20th century named her as one of the most famous civilians in American history before the Civil War. Third owned to Betsy Ross and Paul Revere. She continued to inspire a generation of Americans struggling with civil rights. When Tubman died, the city of Auburn commemorated her life with a plaque on the courthouse. Tubman was celebrated in many other ways throughout the nation in the 20th century. Dozens of schools were named in her honor, in both the Harriet Tubman Home in Auburn and the Harriet Tubman Museum in Cambridge show as a monument to her life. And then, in a 1978 movie, a woman called Moses commemorated her life and career, and then, the 2019 film, Harriet, chronicles Tubman's service as a conductor for the Underground Railroad. Now, mention how I stated before Tubman's supposed to be on the new $20 bill. Well, in you know, Like, four years ago, in April 2016, the U.S. Treasury announced that she would replace Andrew Jackson on the Senate 20-dollar bill. This announcement came after the Treasury Department received a groundswell of public comments following Women's on the 20th campaign calling for a noble American woman to appear in the U.S. currency. The decision was celebrated as Tubman devoted her life to radical equality and fought for women's rights. In 2015, Treasury Secretary Jacob J. Liu was criticized for saying that it was likely a woman would appear on the $10 bill, which featured a portrait of Alexander Hamilton, the influential founding father, was found a renewed popularity because of his hit on the Broadway musical Hamilton. The ultimate decision to have Tubman replace Jackson, a slave. Holder who placed a role in the removal of Native Americans from the land was widely praised. The unveiled new $20 bill for Tubman was planned for 2020 to condense with the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. However, in May 2019, Treasury Secretary Steve Munchkin announced that no new design will be unavailable until 2026 at the earliest due to what he calls counterfeit issues. In June, the Treasury Department Inspector General said that they will look into it why they launched why the launch has been delayed. But there have no been further information or updates since then, which is kinda sad. I think is also kind of fishy. But we'll eventually see, hopefully that Harry Tubman will be on the twenty bill. So we'll see, but until then, I'm happy that you guys enjoyed my podcast today. As this is almost the well, since it is Friday, one more day until the end of February. And black History Month to celebrate our Black culture and history. So snaps to that. But I also glad that you be able to talk about Harriet Tubman. If you have not seen the movie Harriet, I encourage you to go see it or go buy it on DVD and go watch it. As she is a legacy, and I hope to see that progress will be made, that she is placed on the $20 bill. I think it's important to continue to show many young black women and men that she deserves to be respected, not along with the museums and, homes and schools that are named in her honor, but also to have her face on the $20 bill. Or the $10, the $10 bill, my bad, the $10 bill of our U.S. currency. But until then, hope you all have a blessed day, and I'll see you all real soon. Bye.